0: Straight in. Uh, if you want to recap on where we've been with the love series, then you can do so on our website, the Vineyard Critique forward Critique. Talks. And of course, you can find it on our mobile phone app as well. And I'm going to continue <clears throat> in this series, which uh, uh, thank you for all your feedback and your comments. Uh, thank you. I'm so pleased that it's been a blessing to, to so many. Well, what are we looking at this morning? Well, we're going to look at what it means to love God. And As a way of preparation for this, I was doing some study, and I was reminded of a very old TV advert. Now, who loves a bit of nostalgia? Yeah, I'm prone to it and the ensuing melancholy that seems to come. I somehow look at that with rose-tinted glasses. Oh, wasn't life better then? Blah, 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 blah. But anyway, uh, on YouTube, there is a plethora of videos to uh, fulfill your nostalgic desires. And uh, I found this showreel of many, many TV ads in the 90s. Now, I've got a pick for you. Who remembers this one? It's going to be up on the screen. Do you remember this one? And you'll see it at home as well on, the theater, on your TV. Anybody want to guess the year for this TV ad? Sorry? 94, no, almost. No, 92's off. higher. Higher. 96, 95, well done, congratulations. You get an award. I've got no prizes, but you get a prize. 1995, do you remember the one? When I wake up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hurts my eyes. And then apparently all it takes is a cup of Tetley tea, and he's fine. Look at that. Anybody feel like that sometimes? <laughs> Steph, darling, tomorrow I'm going to come out our front door like that, okay? I don't know if I can achieve it, um, but I'll give it a go. But isn't it, we have those moments in life sometimes, don't we? When we feel like that, you know, when all is well with the world, when the wife looks more beautiful than you remember her, and the children have seemingly jumped straight out of a scene of the sound of music, and everything is lovely, and there's birds, and your pets look at you as if indeed you are the master of the house, and the birds are in the trees singing your favourite tune. Maybe you have your own version of what this moment looks for you. And then you come to church on Sunday because you've skipped over the fence and you've had your Tetley tea. And the pastor says, we're going to look at what it means to love God. And you say, yes, that's wonderful. I love God. Because let's be honest with ourselves, when all is going well and we've had our Tetley tea, I'm not paid by Tetley, FYI. <laughs> just so you know, I'm not sponsored by them. Um It's easy to love God. Okay, easier to love God, isn't it? Because, well, everything's going well. Everything's okay. I love God. Thank you, Lord, for everything. After all, this mountaintop really is wonderful. But what about when we're not on the mountaintop? What about when we're actually walking through the valley Because sometimes when we look at our day, we don't sing. And I know it's going to be a lovely day. In fact, we look at our day and the opposite is true. doesn't matter how many teas we have, nothing is all right. The wife looks particularly fierce this morning (laughs) and slightly detached. The children have seemingly jumped straight out of a horror movie. The dogs look at you with disdain. And isn't that a look of pity? (laughs) The birds are in your neighbour's tree singing a song you don't like (laughs) with a cold wink in their eye. I jest, but we experience those days, don't we? And you see, there are seasons, aren't there, where God allows us to walk through those wilderness times, those dark valley experiences. I have to say that being your pastor, Steph and I in, in this leadership is, is the privilege of our lives and we get, I get to pray and speak with so many of you and I know the reality is that life is not rosy always. And in fact, speaking to the team, we have an amazing pastoral team. I know that things are difficult and for many, you are actually not skipping over the fence. You're metaphorically still in bed and you can't get out. And... We seem, don't we, to be in a world wandering collectively into a wilderness. We turn on our TV and we are given a tasting menu of despair, followed by an after-dinner drink of fear. We see images of shelves being empty. We hear of fuel shortages and energy firm collapses. We see that Christmas will have to be (sighs) cancelled. And as I mentioned earlier, we see the reality of evil in our world with that abhorrent murder of Sir David Amos. And no, no wonder that we feel as if in this season we are in that wilderness place. And so as I thought about speaking about how we love God, I thought, you know, rather than come at you glossing over the reality of life, I thought that I'll join the writers of the Bible and, and hit it straight on. By the way, if you're new to This thing called Christianity, I want to say this is the most real book you'll ever read. See, being a Christian is not about putting a mask on and saying, everything's okay, Jack. It's about saying, I need Jesus. That's the reality. It's about being authentic in his presence, and I talked about that last week. And so the talk this morning is entitled this, Loving God in the Wilderness. Or another way you could put it, loving God when it hurts, when all is not well. I want to pray and then we're going to move on. Lord, I thank you that you have a word for us in season. I pray for the freedom and the healing that's going to come this morning and the truth that's going to set us free. I thank you that your promises, that your word will not return to you void, but it will accomplish that which you have set forth for it to do. And I pray that you would just stir our hearts, open our eyes and our ears to see and to hear you. That Lord Jesus, we would not be distracted. We would focus on you, I pray in your name. Amen. As I continued my study I was struck by this quote by a pastor and theologian called Frederick Buechner he's now he's 95 he's still living he said this to be commanded to love god at all let alone in the wilderness is like being commanded to be well when we are sick to sing for joy when we are dying of thirst to run when our legs are broken but this is the first and great commandment nevertheless even in the wilderness especially in the wilderness, you shall love him. I think as that quote does such an eloquent job of showing, is it in that place that we are healed? It is in that place that we meet with peace and joy and healing. And yet, instinctively, we seem to pull back in the place of wilderness because we rather think that God is not there. Even though we read, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff will comfort me. And as it finishes on that Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life. That he is with us in the wilderness. And so Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 is our anchor text for this series. And uh, Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was. And he said this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we have been, as I said in the series, unpacking that together. <clears throat> so, what does it mean to love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, and soul? I rather like this summary that I found. I, I can't quote it from anyone, I don't know who it's from, but our hearts must be set only on what delights his heart. I like that. Our, our minds must be anchored only to his word as the final authority. And our souls must be satisfied only with what pleases him. I rather think that's a good summary. Hearts on what delights his heart. Minds anchored to his word as the final authority. And our souls must be satisfied with what pleases him. That's what it means to love him. And as I said, when you, when you jump over the fence in the morning because everything's going to be okay, this comes a little bit easier. But this is where I want to focus on the remaining short time we have Is how do you do that in the wilderness? How do you do that when you feel beaten up and broken and you can't even barely get out of bed? Number one, let's look at our hearts. How do we love God with our hearts in the wilderness? We start by allowing our broken and bruised heart to melt in the love He has for us. Let me say that again. We start by allowing our broken and bruised heart to melt in the love. He has for us. See, when we talk about loving God, we have to realize that the love that we show towards him actually comes because of and in response to the love that he first showed us. 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. That is a reality. Our sinful flesh, you know, before we are born again, we are not, because of a sinful nature that we're born into, we do not... Uh, do not draw near to God. It says in the Bibles that while we were still sinners or enemies of God, he came to die for us. That was the state. And so the reason we can love him is because of the love of Christ in us. We take our bruised and our crushed heart and we place it in his heart. We fix and we steer our affections towards Christ who died for us. And as we do, this is what happens. Our heart is warmed by the spirit of God in us and we respond in love to him. Listen, this is not a mental exercise. This is not a case of delusion or hoodwinking. This is not a case of mind over matter. This is a supernatural process that happens in the very presence of God. we take our broken and bruised heart and we put it into his and you know that when you're in the wilderness experience can i look can i give you another way to look at it a different lens to look you are given a chance to come humbly to god in desperation saying i can't fix my heart lord i don't even feel like loving you right now but come fix me God is not looking for you to come with a bunch of roses and platitudes. Well, that's lovely if you feel that in your heart. What he's looking for is your honest truth to say, I can't even love how you call me to love. I've heard it said, an old prayer from a nun was, Lord, would you give me the desire to have the desire to love you? <laughs> that's where it starts. You don't have to Get yourself into a loved-up state before you approach the throne room of God. What was all those words, those prophetic words? And Lissy shared a word around this. You just take the bruised, broken heart that you have and you place it in his heart and you say, Lord, give me the desire to love you with my heart. And then he does the rest. Isn't that the most liberating, freeing word that you've heard? This, and I, I know I bang on it every week, but you see, the gospel, the good news is not is not a gospel of works. We don't earn our salvation, lest any man should boast. But it is by grace, through faith, in Christ, it's a gift. And yet we seem to want to reverse back on that and perform our way into God's love. That ain't Christianity. That isn't relationship with Jesus. So that's the first one. <clears throat> we give our hearts and our affections by placing it in his. Number two, our mind. So how do we love the Lord our God with our mind as we walk through the wilderness? When our mind is being bombarded with fear, uncertainty, doubt, despair, tiredness, heaviness, it starts with this. We make a choice, a decision to listen to his truth and not the lies of the world. Listen, you don't have to Say, right, if I'm going to love the Lord God with all my mind, I better do a ton of study first, and at the point at which I've come to some level of accreditation that I I decide is, is feasible, then I will then say, Lord, I'm loving you. No, it doesn't work like that. It starts with the decision that you will live your life saying that God's word is the authority in my life. It's as simple as that. You make that choice. And you know what? I have been in times of wilderness and I haven't been able, I, I, many years ago, I wasn't even able to get out of bed. The world was black. I couldn't get out of bed. I was suffering with depression and I was felt like the lies of the enemy. Despair and despondency, there's no hope, Mark. This is it. you've you've blown it. This is a mess, blah, 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 blah. And just general stuff. And I knew in that moment, I didn't have the strength to necessarily come up with a list of all the truths. But I could in that moment say, no, hold on a minute. I make a decision to trust God's word over the lies of the enemy. And that's what it takes to start. You know, this Christian walk is a journey, guys, isn't it? You know, we are change from one degree of glory to the next. It's the process that we call sanctification. We conform to the likeness of Jesus. But it starts with the decision that you make to say, you know what? I will live my life by this word, not by what the world says. Even though it's going to be difficult and it's hard, I trust that what's in here is God's living, breathing, inherent word, and this will bring me life and freedom. But you've got to make that decision for yourself. The pastor can't tell you and you say, oh, okay, whatever. This is your, you have to own your walk with Jesus. You can't outsource it to your senior pastor, by the way. I've got my own to do, thank you very much. And so even in that dark place, you can lie there if you can't get out of bed and say, I'm just going to make a choice. You know, it says, <clears throat> Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh, so is he. And we know that's a reality. If you accept fear and despondency and shame and guilt, you work, you operate out of that place. Your activity is based on that. But conversely, if you allow your mind to be not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12.1. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's perfect and pleasing will and move in all that he has for you. But it starts with a choice. And let me just give you some encouragement. That means get into his word. This is not a snack box that you snack into when you've got an emergency. For man does not live on bread alone, but the very word of God. And God in here contains truths and promises for you about what he says about you, that you're loved, that you're redeemed, that you're created in his image, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that you have a plan, that he has a plan and a purpose for you, that he's created good works for you before time began, Ephesians 2, that, that he, you have a hope in Christ Jesus, that you have a blessed hope that as Ruth talked about, we will be with him for eternity, that we are here for but a moment. Where, wherever you are at, God's truth is in here, to conform your mind, not to the world, but to renew it to his truth. But we need to make a choice. And even in that wilderness, even if you don't feel like it and you go, la, 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 I'm going to proclaim God's truth. I'm not suggesting anyone else will do that, but you know my point. You just make a choice. Say, so I'm going to listen to God's truth. Okay, we're going to move on. We've looked at our hearts and our minds. And can I just give you this? You can write this down. I'm not going to read it. Philippians 4:8. I think Paul, 8, I will read it, actually. Paul does a rather good job here of giving us, okay, take a step back, Mark. What I love about Philippians 4 is it's a chapter around what you do in your moment of anxiety. You all know, I'm sure, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but with everything, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. okay. I look at this as, okay, I'm in anxiety. I've got a problem. What am I going to do? Okay, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to thank him for who he is and he has me. And then as you do, <clears throat> his peace, which you can't understand how on earth, given your circumstances haven't changed, and yet you feel that peace. Now, oftentimes we stop at that point. But did you know that Paul goes on to talk about it in a little bit more detail in verse 8? Verse 8. Because essentially what he does, he says, listen, here's what you do in an emergency situation, if you like, but can I give you some advice to help protect yourself from getting into that place? And then I'll read this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise... Think about these things. Ha! Ah, that's clever. So what you're saying, Paul, is if I am to, uh, to be protected from fear and anxiety and doubt, I should watch what I watch and, and, and watch what I listen to. Ha! Huh, that's clever. And I know I bang on about it, but I' carry on doing so. Listen, Christians, let's not be naive just because it has the label of entertainment doesn't mean it's okay oh well it's on tv so it's fine it's on netflix so it's good i love netflix and all that stuff and i'm not i'm not commenting on that i'm just saying hey let's just be wise about you know you know if you're sitting in your lounge room and there's a sewage tank outside and there's a pipe that comes into your house oh, i think you know what we should do we should turn that pipe and make it open let's do that shall we Oh, look at all the rubbish that's coming into my lounge. Oh, oh, silly me. Well, to be honest with you, we do that oftentimes with our TV. And Paul is saying, listen, guys, if you don't want to live in fear, just be wise. You know, if you don't want to, don't watch horror movies. If you're, you know, just, by the way, would Jesus watch it with you? It's always a good test. Would you turn around? That was a great scene, wasn't it, Jesus? Do you like that? Yeah, I know. You're not watching the same thing you're watching tonight. Oh, you're going to change your minds. Our souls must be satisfied only with what pleases him. Our hearts must only set on what delights his heart. Well, this is the narrow road that we're called to make, but it is in that place of freedom and truth and joy. You know, God doesn't give us uh, his his commandments, his laws, a way of living to restrain us. He gives it so we can live our best life, that we can fulfil all that he's called us to be. I'm going to move on because time is ticking. So we've looked at our hearts and our mind. Lastly, our soul. So how do we love the Lord, our God, with all of our soul when we feel battered and bruised and discouraged? You know, it's in the wilderness, let me tell you, friends, that it gives us a unique opportunity to satisfy ourselves only on him and not the gifts from him. It gives us a unique opportunity to satisfy ourselves on him alone, not the gifts from him. And lest you think I am a person of inexperience as it relates to wilderness journeys, let me tell you, I'm speaking from personal experience. If you saw my passport, you would see it stamped many times for wilderness. While I'd rather be on the mountaintop, they are rare. But you know, I have learnt and I can see the mercy of God in those wilderness experiences. Because you know what, guys? He's concerned about your heart. And there are times where he just needs to get us to a place of complete dependence on him and that we learn to love him for who he is, not the gifts he gives us. You know, there was a quote um, that someone said in the Mountaintop Experiences, we can sing hallelujah, all I have is Christ, with both hands lifted, while the tendrils of our hearts slowly wrap themselves around a marriage, a friendship, or a career, Scarcely recognisable, almost incurable. In other words, the mountaintop experiences are great, but they do have inherent distractions and danger because our affections start warming towards the gift and not the giver. And I've recognised in my life that in God's mercy, yes, I said that, he has allowed me to walk through the shadow of the valley of death. Because did you know in the physical that the valleys have the greenest grass that feeds the sheep? And that is true in the spiritual, that it is in those deep wilderness places that he nourishes us in a way in which we can't on the mountaintop. Why? Because we come to him desperate for him and our pride is stripped bare and we come humbly to him and we say, I just need you. I just need you. I'd like to invite the band up as I end. And so how do we practically get to this place of allowing our souls to be satisfied with him when we're in that wilderness place, when we're battered and bruised and we're tired and we can barely open our eyelids? Let me give you this as some tips. We have to make time for our soul to be in that place with him. We have to be still and know that he is God. We have to stop the rushing and the hustling We have to discard the busyness and the noise. We have to ignore the pressure to perform and the expectation to be who we are not and instead be still and allow our soul to be satisfied with him and by him. We haven't got time to read it but can you write down Psalm 57 and can I encourage you to read this during the week? Paul, uh, David, King David is running from Saul and he's in the wilderness and it's in that place that he says, awake my soul, which is the song that we've been singing. Because there are times guys where you're gonna have to dig deep and say, soul awake, awake my soul. Because I don't feel like it quite frankly. But if I don't spend time with him, this wilderness is going to be painful. I'd like us all to stand as I end. You know, Mike Bickle, who uh, founded IHOP, International House of Prayer, said this God gives salvation to the needy, but gives the deep things of his heart to the hungry who refuse to live without them. Let me read that again God gives salvation to the needy, and we're all needy, but gives the deep things of his heart to the hungry who refuse to live without them. My question for you this morning is this. In spite of the wilderness, are you hungry for him? Do you refuse to live without him? Do you make a choice to love him in spite of the brokenness and the pain? Because it is in that place to be well when we are sick, that we will sing for joy when we are dying with thirst, where we will run when our legs are broken. This is the first and greatest commandment to love the Lord your God, even in the wilderness, especially in the wilderness. You shall love him. Let us worship together. Thank you, Lord.